interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> hello, hello. Welcome to my bloody podcast. I'm trying to capture the same sense of enthusiasm as my lovely hairy co-host Brian Motherfucking Kluga. And I'm Preston Barta with it in Rick Chronicle and Fresh Fiction. And uh, I'm, I'm leading the charge today. It's not normal for me. Now I feel like I'm kind of going in, into like a more uh, Jeff Goldblum kind of vibe. Like I'm bringing it down and getting a little like easing you in. Because life uh, found a way. It, sh- it sure did. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing this now. Um, so hmm, hmm, having my having my tea here. Hmm. And a little bit of little bit of music and some dog. Uh, uh, my dogs just click clack in their feet in the background because we have hardwood floors and they can't settle. Uh, anyway, anyway, yes, yes, yes. Um, You're hello. so good at this. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> that was not that was not planned at all. Not planned at all. Anyway, uh, very exciting episode this week. I feel like it's been a little bit. We haven't done it in a while, um, but we're really. I really enjoyed that we kind of had this resurgence this year with my bloody podcast. It had been dormant for a little bit with like COVID, and now that we're back, and I, I don't want to, I don't want it to fall back by the wayside, and I want to make sure that we keep it up and alive and going because I like talking horror movies with you, Brian. And um, this week we have. Uh, a bit of a special episode, I would say, as we would say every episode, because every episode is special. Uh, this week we're doing like a, a, a double header, a double feature. Uh, we're doing, uh, what's it called? Did you, you wrote in the email, the Pope's dick, which is... The, no, a- the Pope's insidious dick. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Jo- join them together. Um <laughs> <laughs> I, I was typing that and I was like, Preston's gonna love this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I only wish I could send it to like a work email for you. <laughs> and then you have to explain to HR it's like, look, my co-host yeah. Brian, you're just gonna have to accept that he's gonna send things. I can't it, stop it. <laughs> if only I had my Zoom account linked up with my work account. Yeah, that'd be that would be putting up some uh, red flags on my account for sure. It would. Uh, and I and I first off, I want to say that I agree all of the stuff that we do is special every episode. I look forward to it. And um I have noticed, I love it. Like you've got you've got the Texas Rangers hat on, you got a Texas Rangers tea mug, you are saying double header. It's like Preston is he's, he's into the baseball season mood right now. I love it. I I didn't even think about me having a Texas Rangers mug. I just grabbed one, and I've had this one for years. Um, I'm a casual fan. I'm not, I don't watch every game or anything, but I did grow up playing baseball, so it does have a special place in my heart. But what was your team name for growing up in baseball? Um, let's see. The first team that I played on was the Royals, and we were undefeated. It was a great team. 
And yeah, I had a coach that taught me something that kind of stuck with me for the rest of my life and helped boost my confidence because I have confidence issues uh, sometimes. And he, he taught me when I go up to the plate, say, you're Preston Barta. You're the best damn baseball player in Denton, Texas. And so I would say that over and over as I was batting and it helped. Good, 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 good. So do you use that when you do like, yeah, interviews so I, right now? Yeah, I'm Preston Barter. I'm the best damn interviewer in Denton, Texas. Uh... <laughs> I love that. I love that. So you played for the Royals. I think my first team was the Silver Bullets, and we were undefeated, which was oh, y'all awesome. Had, y'all had cool names. We always took baseball team, like actual baseball teams, because I was the, the Phillies uh, with a lot of my friends that I'm still friends with today. And then uh, when I was in high school, we were the Broncos. So that's cool. Yeah, it was it was silver bullets for a while. And man, that team was like next level. That was like an all star team, again, undefeated. But then it went to the Angels and then to the Dodgers. And interestingly enough, it was the same coach for all of it. Um, oh, man, you had your own uh, Feeney. Yeah, <laughs> we did. Uh, and it was good. And it was like a lot of the same kids, but not we always had a few others. And again, during that little league um, experience, that's when Sandlot happened. So it was like really living that movie. It was it was super fun. But I'm so glad I because I'm a big baseball fan. And one of my, you know, besides pro wrestling, I think the sport I watch the most is either hockey and baseball. So yeah, I, I usually have a Rangers game on here or I'm at the game. So I'm glad to see you're you're Rangered out right now. I love it. Yeah, yeah. 99 was a good year to be a, a sports fan in the Dallas area with the Stars and yeah. the Rangers because I think the Rangers won the West Division then. Yeah, that was Pudge Rodriguez, I think. Yeah, my favorite player then was Rusty Greer. He was the... (laughs) Right? Yeah. It's so good to think back, you know, back in the 80s and early 90s for Rangers, you know, we had Ruben Sierra, Nolan Ryan, Julio Franco, and Jose Canseco. And, like, those were, like, the my... This was the dream team. And I still talk about... um, uh, I still talk about Julio Franco. Love that guy. It was so good. Yeah. <laughs> so no, it's good. We're talking about baseball. We need to do a baseball yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll do that uh, instead of uh, Pope's insidious dick. Yeah, Pope's. But speaking of knocking things out of the park, we're going to talk about some movies, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> but first, but first, um, you know, a couple episodes ago, if you were listening, we talked about the. Um, the Texas Frightmare Weekend, the horror yeah. convention that's basically like Comic-Con, but for horror movies. But I do believe, Preston, you you got to go to an actual big Dallas Comic-Con now called Fan Expo. And it's yeah. it's like San Diego Comic-Con. Albi. It's a little smaller, but not much. Like, I, I would say 100,000, 150,000 people go through that uh, in Dallas every year. So, and you got to go and you, I, I hear you have some wild stories yes 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 we'll keep the keep the jeff goldblum <laughs> thing going um yeah uh fan expo dallas was this past weekend um it was at the k bailey hutchinson center in dallas so i i've been to a few events there not a 
whole lot. I mean, more sectioned off areas. Areas. This one was pretty wide open. They they used a huge event floor space uh, compared to the other, including Texas Frightmare uh, Weekend, which just recently moved to the Urban Convention Center. If you were listening to that episode, um, so this one is much larger. I think. I, as soon as I stepped in, by the way, going in and the getting your badge, the whole checkout system, I think this is the best one out of all the ones that I've been to. And especially as a press member, because I feel like in the past, like when I first started out, like, like 12 years ago or so, it, it was, um, Like you would, you would get your press accreditation, you get approved and then you would get your badge and then, you know, people would reach out to you and say, Hey, uh, do you have a wish list for who, anybody that you would like to talk to that may be coming in? We'll try to set it up for you. Although that's kind of like faded away now there, um, there was like this freedom that you had as a press member to, sometimes jump the line uh, to get into panels or um, you don't, you don't have to worry about people flagging you down or hold, uh, pointing you out and say, Hey, no, 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 no pictures or anything like that. There was a, there was more of a understood thing that if there was a press member there that had a press badge and they were taking pictures, it was cool. Um, that kind of like went away. Uh, it's like slowly kind of went away and it's harder to, do interviews. Uh, I think you, even you, Brian said that you, when you've gone to things like this, you could go up to somebody's booth and then it'd be like, hell yeah, let's, ch let's chat. I don't mind at all. Um, now, um, depending on it, it always depended on like how busy the celebrities were at their booth because they want to make money they want to build a sign as much as they can and visit with fans. Cause that's what they're really there for. And versus a uh, talking to a press member who may get their footage or their coverage up after the event is over. Um, so I, I'll say that although that has gone away and we can't really interview people ahead of time, I just think the way that it, it is run and going in, getting your badge, you do, you can jump the line and they just kind of make you feel special. And I feel like in the past, for some of these events, it hasn't felt that way. Like I just felt like I'm just there and it's stressful and I'm trying to, you know, you have to wait in line for the panels and everything. You get a terrible spot and uh, they, they do only allow you to record like the first three minutes if you are filming um, or taking pictures during that time, kind of like uh, concerts are. Um, they only allow you to do like the first few songs. Um, So you can still get some coverage out of it uh, of some sort and get a good spot because you can jump the line now. But uh, for a while there, it didn't seem like you could do that. So I'm glad that's back. I'm glad that Fan Expo is treating press with respect, it seems like. Um, and then go, step. So I, I, I walk in. Uh, they've been they scan people's badges. So they scan them to go in and out. So they can keep track of of, of them and uh, how many people come in and out at a time and like what's the most popular time. So it's good data uh, information. Um, but they don't they don't do that for the press. It just kind of it made me feel like that backstage pass kind of thing with like 
he's cool. Like they just like you're like you Wayne's up. World, and you're just like yeah. you're always constantly showing it to people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, press bash. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, it says press on there, very bold, like. And so yeah, went in, and uh, like I mentioned, the floor space is huge. So many damn, <clears throat> excuse me, vendors there, and and I've been to enough of these where you can you have certain expectations with like okay they got pokemon cards they got stuffed animals they got t-shirts they got all that kind of stuff here i feel like um at, at fan expo they really celebrate like artists and individual individual artists and in and like they had different booths for all kinds of art not just like paintings and drawings, hand sketches and things like that. Like people are creating things like somebody created a, uh, a Pokemon, uh, uranium type of thing. I wanted to get it for my son. And I was like, this is amazing. Um, so, uh, there, there's just like so many unique things. If you're like a geek family or, you know, somebody within your family that just loves like very, individualized stuff like things that you couldn't really find anywhere that maybe you could find on like etsy or something like that um like they have it here and so that's the cool thing about going to this is that you'll find uh unique artwork that celebrates uh sci-fi and horror projects in in ways that you wouldn't expect outside of just like basic posters and things like that so that was fun they had everything they had Antanas, they had, I guess you can get them signed by, uh, what's his face from, um, uh, Randy Jackson. If you I was just to. about to say, <laughs> would can you get a samurai sword signed by Randy Jackson? Cause you're just <laughs> not going to get a signed sword by Randy Jackson. Exactly. So there you can get your katana and, and be ready for that. Uh, if should it come, but I don't think Randy Jackson's going to be on the sci-fi expo uh, celebrity list. Um, but who knows? You never know. Maybe he'll pop some, he needs to be uh, a guest in like a, <clears throat> a Star Trek episode or something. So I'm, I'm curious going to the fan expo because it's called fan expo. Now it's not called Comic-Con and it's probably a better way to say that fan expo because back in the day, back, you know, 20 years ago, Comic-Con was really Comic-Con. It was about comics and comic book artists. And now it's changed to movie studios and actors and, uh, talent from your past nostalgia coming back to do signings and meet and greets. Do you find that's still the case? More people are at fan expo wanting to see their favorite actors or, or is it a mix of people really into comics still, or is it more about the movies and TV shows? I would say it's blown open um, to where it's, you will find like some booths there that have a lot of comics. And I still see that it's very popular. Like people are over there trying to find, especially as these new movies and TV shows are coming out, they're trying to find like original comic books uh, to read and collect. And so I, I it, there's still a place for it, but it's definitely seems to be more about meeting celebrities and having them sign stuff and um all these other type of artwork there so i don't but there are stuff going on in the dallas fort worth area like they every first of the month they have uh a uh toy type of convention thing where like it's just like you can go there and you can find all kinds of toys so it's like going to like dallas vintage toy uh, shop that they have out here except it's just like a bunch of different vendors uh, within the area 
that come out there and you find some really cool stuff. So it's like you have to look for it. So I'm sure you can find one that's just comic books and things like that. Um, but this one is just like a greatest hits collection of everything. It has everything. And so, uh, but it definitely seems to be more, more attention is towards the having the celebrities there because I mean, it's a big deal when you have somebody like, like the va vacation reunion with Chevy Chase and um, Randy Quaid was there, which was a very bizarre thing to see. Cause no, I it is. Like I, I was seeing some TikToks and social media that Chevy Chase was posting with him and Randy Quaid there. And has it, I I'm trying to figure out because not even, you know, a few years ago, Randy Quaid was on the run from the law. Like yeah. he was hiding Living out in, in a van country. or something. Yeah, yeah, living in like a motel and he was saying some crazy things. So I'm trying to figure out maybe he was bipolar or schizophrenic. I don't know, but it seems like they had a great time there. It seems like nothing really happened at Fan Expo. People were really, really happy. Yeah. So, I mean, that's great to see. Like, I'm that's good to see that that's going on. But I like when it seems like from past comic book conventions and stuff like this, they were bringing out random people, but now it's become a staple more to try and get a movie or a franchise and have everybody from that come in and do a panel. Cause that yeah. seems like really cool. Kind of like, you know, like you said, a reunion. So that's and having vacation. Like I I'm just trying to imagine if you have, Chevy Chase and Randy Quaid or Beverly D'Angelo. Did she show up? Yeah, she was there too. She showed up. So, I mean, what's the cost of that? I mean, that has to be $150,000 to get them out for the weekend, if not more. Yeah, they had it on their website at one point. Uh, uh, well, not that kind of information. I'm sure they got paid handsomely for it, um, especially to get I, – I just can't imagine, like, Chevy Chase just coming out for nickels and dimes. Maybe Sean Gunn. Like, Sean Gunn, his booth was right next to the the one person that I really wanted to see. Um, he was right next to him, and he was charging, like, $45, and his booth was pretty – it was going pretty uh, actively, and um, and he seemed to be, like, more there for the fans, and I think that's why he brought his costs down uh significantly compared to others because that's another thing like when you're going to these you have to understand that you're going to be spending ridiculous yeah. amounts of money uh, right because how i understand that it works is that let's say chevy chase he charges a hundred grand to come out for two days and yeah. so he has to make that in autographs and pictures and whatever he makes in that, let's say he makes $100,000, he gets he, he has that. But if he makes $50,000 in that, the convention has to, you know, pay the difference out of their pockets. Mm. So that's how I understand that it works. I Because I don't think, unless they really want somebody and they have to be paid up front um, to that type of thing. But it's a, it's a lot of money. I mean, can you imagine the amount of people they bring in and that's why it's so expensive. That's why it's so expensive now. And it's sad because back in the day, like you said, Sean Gunn, 40 bucks, that would be the most anybody would charge 20 years ago, the most. And now yeah. that's like the cheapest almost, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I want to say that Chevy Chase was probably charging like upwards of a hundred bucks for an autographed. And then you got a uh, same price for like a selfie. Then they have actual pose pictures or like a nice 
backdrop. I've never been quite a fan of that that kind of look, but you, you'll get some unique opportunities out of it. Like a Texas Frightmare a couple of years ago, they had like all the living members of the Friday the 13th franchise that have played Jason Voorhees all wearing the costumes and you had an opportunity to take photos with them. So there's, there's opportunities like that. Hayden Christensen, uh, he was there. Maybe he wasn't wearing a hat, but he's wearing all his, his outfit or same thing with uh, Joseph Quinn who plays Eddie in stranger things. He was there. Uh, most cases they're just kind of wearing their casual clothes and it's kind of fun. Um, to see them posing regular. I saw some really funny ones online of the office uh, cast members that they had there. Like they had uh, Stan Lee and um, who else they had uh, Creed and uh, Oscar. And so they had them three together and some people are taking some funny photos with him because Stanley always looks like he's the actor that plays Stanley. He looks like he's out of it and just doesn't want to be there. But his booth was was going. Uh, a lot of people were wanting to see him. I didn't see uh, the actor that plays Creed. They had his booth there, but he wasn't uh, there when when I was maybe he was taking individual photos or doing a panel or something. But uh, yeah, there, there's there are those opportunities to um, if you want like the selfie kind of look or you want to get a fun photo opportunity like that with a, where they may or may not be in costume or there's just there, there's some opportunities there to do something fun. Speaking um, of costumes, cosplay, yes. talk about the cosplay. Was it cosplay on point this year or was it kind of less than? Um, no, dude, as soon as I stepped in and so this was before I even got into the exhibit hall and the meeting meet and greet with the celebrities. There's just like people that are going in and out of the exhibit hall area. They're just kind of, cause I admittedly it is hot in there. Like it, it's just, it's a lot of people breathing. So that's the, that's the downside. That was the one major downside of of these kind of things is that it's just sometimes. Oh yeah, we see all the memes and jokes online of people passing around like body deodorant, like like deodorant yeah. and stuff like that. Is that like, did they, you get they, the whiff and stuff like that? Yeah, it wasn't that bad here because it was very open um, com comparatively to uh, the Irving Convention Center, which is also open. But uh, when, when Texas Frightmare was there and then when it was at the, the DFW uh, Hyatt Regency Hotel, Man, it's just like it would be a great idea to like just have a de deodorant booth at the front and just sell it. Um, but I mean, uh, that's a great. It, I I can't imagine why like um, some of the deodorant companies, the perspiration, just don't sponsor it. Old yeah. Spice like just sponsors it, and they have like little things out. I mean, I feel like that would be a viral marketing thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, so it wasn't. It didn't smell too bad. It was just kind of hot. Like the air felt thick. Um, and so a lot of these celebrities, they're wearing like they don't want to wear a T-shirt. They want to look cool. They want to wear a jacket. They want to be like Ryan Gosling and drive, you know. And so <laughs> they they uh, I, I bet you they were hot. Um, so, yeah, yeah, th th that that was the, the, the one thing that, that got to me was just how hot it was. But uh, the costumes, the costumes were good. Um, I saw a RoboCop one that was really good. I took a picture of it and put it on my socials and um, uh, always like some very deep cut ones, um, ones that I I didn't even know what they were, 
but people seem to be very excited about uh, by it. Um, I was trying to remember this one that I saw where I was like, man, it was like, it's obscure as like seeing like nurse Joker from like the dark Knight or something like that, where it's just like one little scene in a movie kind of like that. But I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. I saw a death note one. Um, what else? All kinds of stuff. But yeah, uh, before getting into the exhibit hall, there was people dressed up all outside just hanging out trying to get some some good air um so that was fun and as you're walking in the streets of dallas when you park to walk over i was like it must be a bizarre sight to just be walking down the street casually and be like was that loki <laughs> so, so that's fun right right no yeah okay so the the costume the cosplay is on par and mm -hmm. uh seems like the talent was there it was was there somebody there that you didn't realize was going to be there? That yeah. Would, yeah. Yeah. So I did not, um, I did not think that Shamik, I think his name is Shamik Moore. Uh, who oh. plays uh, Miles Morales in Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. He yeah. was there. I don't remember seeing him on the list at all. I must've missed it unless they got him in place of somebody else that may have canceled. Cause I think people like Henry Winkler canceled and, um, uh, what's his name that plays uh, Shazam? Zachary Lee. Uh, oh, Zachary Levi. Yeah. 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 Um, can't remember if it was him or not, but some people canceled and sometimes they try to get somebody else out there, but he would have been uh, one person I'd love to talk to um, and meet. So that, that was, that was cool. I, I, cause I, when I got down to the, cause everything, once you get in the exhibit hall, there's all the booths and they got, they got food stuff too. Like they got some really cool, like comic book related or uh, these popular franchises like made into like cookies and chocolate and all kinds of stuff. So there's that stuff too. Um, so you walk in, you get into all the, the vendors and everything. And then all the way to the far uh, left side is this huge, like step down. Like you, it's cool when you step down the stairs um, it's still in a hall, but you're stepping down the stairs to go into like a lower area and that's where everybody's signing everything. So you can like stand at the top and just see this sea of people just waiting in line to meet all these people. Um, so that's when I was, when I was walking down, I saw Shamik Moore's banner up there and I was, I was like, Whoa, I did not expect him to be here at all. I didn't have time to like walk through every single area because th that's part of the fun too, to be like, huh. I've seen that person in the flesh now. Um, how old do they look? Cause they, most of the time they have like a younger picture of themselves on the banner. And then right. over there, you're like, Whoa, they got old, <laughs> but I'm old too. That's how it was at Texas Frightmare when you see, cause they had, like you were saying, like they'll bring in like the cast of entire thing. Like most of the time they'll have a theme uh, for each year as a selling point. And so like to, uh, Texas Frightmare had like the thing cause they, they had John Carpenter and they had uh, Keith David and like all the, all the cast members that, that are there besides uh, the, the big uh, head honcho there. Yeah. Um, but um, so yeah, they had vacation. I don't think there was any other themes other than the office, like I mentioned um, some of the other ones. So they had a big star, I guess somewhat, Star Wars one, they had Hayden Christensen and Rosario Dawson uh, for, for a Shoko. Um, uh, they had Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio for Daredevil. 
Danny Trejo. They, they had a, um, a Cobra Kai one. So they had Ralph Macchio there. They had uh, William Zabak, uh, Zabka mm -hmm. and uh, Paul Walter Hauser was there. Oh, he, awesome. That, that guy is just a regular dude, man. He was like, he was devouring a pizza while uh, <laughs> signing autographs. He was, he was right next to the person that I went there to, to see. And uh, that, that was cool. Like I, I even kind of had a weasel around him a few times. I was like, Oh, excuse me, Paul. Sorry about that. Who did you um, go see? I went to go see Peter Weller. Oh, Peter Weller. Did Peter Weller and Paul Walter Hauser have a talk at all? I don't know. I was curious about that because I, when I called Peter Weller ahead of this to do an interview, he, I went through the list of the people that were, that were, that were going to be there. Cause I was like, what do you like strike up conversations with these people? Like, what is that like? And so he was going through a list of people like Christopher Lloyd is a good friend of his. And so he's pretty active and going to these and, but he wasn't there for this one, but I think he was there last year. Um, so I was like, I'm sure you're going to be sitting right next to somebody and you may not. So I thought it was funny that I, I brought up uh, Sean Gunn to him because I was like, Hey, you know, uh, you're Sean Gunn. They just did guardians three and they have a RoboCop uh, reference in it because the main villain looks like RoboCop. And he was like, I, I mean, that's cool. Uh, not, I, I don't, I don't really much care for that sort of thing, but he did bring up that he loved uh, the Buckaroo Banzai reference. That was like a central part of the story in ready player one. He said he loved that. And he got kind of teary eyed a little bit from Steven Spielberg doing that. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know if he talked to Paul Walter Hauser. I wonder what that was like. Like he's like, Hey, Mr. Weller, I'm a, big fan who i i mean yeah. you got you gotta figure like because it seems like peter it seems like paul walter hauser and a lot of these these talent they it's a lucrative business because you're making you could be making thousands and thousands and thousands sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars in a weekend yeah. and all you got to do is literally put on a smile and it's like hey yeah that was cool oh well, yeah sign some autographs and stuff and yeah. while that's exhausting but it's fun. It's fun to, you know, get back with the fans. And I'm sh and I'm curious. It might, it's probably like an office situation, you know, where it's like, oh, showing up to work today. How are you? My like cubicle mate, yeah. you know? Yeah. But that's got to be super fun, right? Yeah. Especially like if they're like right when right there in rope drop, probably like right when it opens and then they're all just sitting there at that booth. What is that like for the first people that are coming in and they just see all these celebrities just like waiting there with their pins? Have a coffee, <laughs> yeah. Paul Walter Houcher eating a pizza. Like, it's just great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they probably uh, wait. I, I'm, I don't know if they're like immediately sitting out there just waiting for chaos to unfold and all these people line up and then be like, I got, I, I got, I got this poster for you to sign I've my dad gave it to me um so uh but it's still very special to see all that that sort of thing happen but I, I, i'm sure they wait a little bit for people to get to get in the door and then they come out but anyway um so yeah uh peter weller was awesome i i've known him for over 10 years now and I, it's still bizarre to me and kind of like i have to pinch myself every now and then that he just 
happens to like me for some reason. Um, cause when I went to, I think it was sci-fi expo then I can't remember, or maybe it was fan expo, but it was 10 years ago at the 2013, uh, <clears throat> sci-fi convention or whatever it was called. And it, this was at the Irving convention center. And at the time I was writing for my university's paper, university of North Texas, which is where he went to, he got his under, uh, Peter Weller got his undergraduate there. Um, and so he went there from like 66 to 70. So it's just kind of special. And I've always known he's always been a big deal to me because there's a water burger on Fort Worth drive in Denton, Texas, right next to the college where it has like a, a UNT shrine in there of like everybody that has went to UNT or anything that's been associated with the Denton or UNT area. Uh, so they had like a necess necessary roughness poster in there because <laughs> they shot stuff in on right. the field there. And then um, Don Henley has a section there. Uh, Dr. Phil, because he went to UNT. What about, uh, what about Jason Lee from Mallrats? <laughs> uh, you think that they, it's current uh, right now at that Whataburger, it's not there anymore. Like they've redone it. And sadly it doesn't have all that stuff inside there, but yeah, they, they probably should. Add, I don't even know if he lives in the Denton area anymore. I don't, I don't know. He like, everybody was like poking fun at when he first, when he first moved into Denton and there's all these like great videos and people were creating like fake Facebook events uh, or Facebook pages with him living in Denton where it's like his photo with like a cover photo of the Denton square. And he's like, I'm a farmer now in all this. And so it was great fun. Uh, but he's, he's been very quiet, but he, he's friends with like, uh, there's a band uh, that's probably the most famous band in this area in the Denton area is mid Lake. Um, and they have a, they have a bar in, Denton, in downtown Denton called Pascal's very swanky speakeasy type of thing. You have to go inside of a bar to get to that bar. Um, and then they have a, a store called Norman Roscoe's that sells like things that celebrate the Denton area. Like they have a, if you, if you know this area and you went to UNT, you would be very familiar with Fry street. Fry street was a big festival type of thing that was going on. I mean, it's a street, but it also was like the big bar strip still has bars there, but it was a huge event uh, back in the day. And so, and they had like all these like great businesses that people still love uh, like the flying tomato pizza, which is now a food truck right now that you can go to. And it had been out of, out of business for a while. And so it came back. So that was cool. Anyway. Um, so I, I, was writing for the UNT paper. And he, when I saw him at the fan expo 10 years ago, Peter Weller was wearing a green UNT hat. And I went up to him. I was like, uh, Hey, I write for my, I don't remember. Maybe I mentioned this in passing too. I don't remember if I, if I ahead of time, uh, reached out and said that I would do this, uh, that I would love to speak with him. I can't remember. But anyway, he was very cool. Let me, he's like, I got to take a smoke break. And then me and my friend went in the garage uh, behind the Urban Convention Center. We're just talking about Denton the whole time. It was awesome. And then from there, uh, it just sparked this friendship. 
I call him, I check in on him every now and then. He checks in on me. He sends me uh, links to uh, lectures that he does because he teaches classes out of Italy and like these online webinars and they're really interesting lectures on like men and women in Italian film. Like he can do these real deep dives into art in art, art history because that's what he, I think he has a doctorate in that uh renaissance art renaissance art history Italian, I don't know like he he's most one of the most smartest people that I've ever met um and so uh there was a point where I was pretty intimidated by him um trying to like okay I gotta think of some smart questions here I really gotta think I can't ask something stupid I can't ask the basics um and he's just somebody who likes to chat about jazz miles davis uh art and italian film and he'll talk to you all day about it um and uh yeah so i'd love to talk to him talk to him about robocop i've talked to him about <clears throat> one of my favorite movies of his is uh um <clears throat> excuse me uh shakedown Uh, he signed my poster when I was. Have we done Shakedown on this show before? No, we should though. I I oh, can love we get that. Up? Can we get Peter on the show for Shakedown? I don't know, man. Um, I don't know, like, because whenever we chat on the phone, you never know what's going to happen. Like, he'll be like, uh, "I'll call you right back," and because he has to do something, and so I wonder what that's like. Because he'll he'll like. smoke a cigar or, or call somebody else while I'm on the phone with him. Uh, so like the most interesting things happen when I talk to him on the phone. So I don't know if he would like block out a certain amount of time to be able to just sit all the way through and chat about, but I bet you he would, he would chat about that movie. He loves chat about things that uh, those, those types of films that most people don't bring up. I think one of his favorite movies that he's done is the new age that came out in the mid nineties Um, and he loves screamers. Um, we've I've done talked screamers. to him. We've done screamers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I talked to him about that one. Have we done Leviathan? I don't think we've done. You know that what one. I have to think about Leviathan? I'm trying to remember. But so you went to see him, yeah. and you, it, it it was great. It's like just two best buds hanging out, right? Yeah, so we had plans to uh, hang out after one of the days, but it it didn't quite. There's a mix up, and it didn't quite uh, work out. But we, I went up to his booth and we chatted for a while, and then afterwards he asked he asked me to hang around, and then uh, I talked to him for a little bit afterwards and met his family, which was awesome. And then yeah, got this like behind the. curtain type of thing where you saying hello to Kevin Smith and Jason Muse who were there signing autographs too. And I was like, this is just the, the, the wildest thing. I'm going to go to my grave and not too many people are going to know about this sort of thing. So here I am sharing that information. No, that's super cool. So it seems like Fan Expo has really come a long way in terms of treating the press and media better. Yeah. And so do you think where it is now, it's it's getting better? It's where it needs to be? Is there improvements they can do as far as crowd control or pricing or anything like that?
I mean, pricing could always be better, but um, it, it's just kind of understood at this time that that's, that's where it is. Like, if you know, like, go ahead and start saving up right now for next year, if, uh, whether or not you know who who's going to be there. Like, in October, I want to say they're having – uh, the Dallas Fan Festival, and it'll be at the Irving Convention Center October 20th to the 22nd. So they, I think that one's a little more low-key mm -hmm. uh, comparatively. Um, but I would say uh, compared to the years that I've gone in the past to this sort of thing, I think it's it's gotten better with like crowd control and the system that they have in place because it's exciting to step in there right when you get in the door and just see how they've put up the booths and like it's just so much to take in there's so many photo opportunities like they had the jurassic park trucks there and you could take photos with them because it's the 30th anniversary this year and um by the way, I guess we still need to review that. Uh, maybe next week we'll do Jurassic Park. Um, and I'll do some more Jeff Goldblum impressions. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, lots lots to take in. It's exciting. I think all the artwork and um, Pokemon cards or trading cards and small knickknack transformer toys, because that's all the stuff that I was looking for for my son, all reasonably priced and people are friendly. Um and it's spaced out enough where I can get around and maneuver. And so that was a good thing because that's been a problem in the past where like these booths are so bunched up together that it's just like you look at all these booths and you're like, I don't even want to go in that crowd. So you feel better about going through the crowd and visiting all these booths because there's so much to look at. So many vendors. <laughs> and then the way that they have the... Um, the way that they have the uh, booth set up for signing autographs and all the celebrities is, is a pretty good system. They have a good line and then they have people that are like uh, the people that are managing those areas, the volunteers, like they don't mess around. Like uh, when I was waiting in line for, to, to meet Peter Weller, um, they had, they, they had a line going, there's people trying to take pictures of people and like the guy will walk over to that person and be like, you need to delete that off your phone right now. Like they don't mess around. So, um, and I was like, oh, he must have saw that I had a press badge on because uh, I was taking pictures of the line and people interacting and because they had the guy that I mentioned earlier that was dressed up as Robocop taking pictures with him, with Peter Weller. And so, um, yeah, I think I don't improvement wise. Yeah, I think it would just have to be probably... <laughs> turn up the ac i know it's probably going to be like negative three to try to get it to a stable 65 degrees in there but um so that that was an issue just how hot it was uh pricing yeah it could always be better but and as like i mentioned it's understood at this point but their systems are getting better and um yeah so i think it's i think it's a good it's a good time Good, good, good. Glad to hear it. Fan Expo. It'll be back next year and again in October at the Irvin Convention Center, the same company doing yeah. their fan celebration fan days. So check that out online. Uh, always, always good. The the Fan Expo. And I'm glad I used to go and, you know, do a lot of these things. I used to go and uh cover these these events for many years and i haven't been to one in a while now now preston i think has talked me into maybe going to one next year and maybe tag teaming this together 
Yeah, I think we should. And also I want to try to pitch doing a panel, like even if it's like a, a low, like if that's where we have to start out and do one that's uh, not, not like the main person that we're wanting to talk to or anything. I mean, that sounds awful to say, but anyway, we don't have to do like the big, the big panels or anything like that. I would just love to like, It's like, hey, maybe they weren't planning to do a panel with that person and be like, hey, can I just do panel in like a small room or something like that with with this person? Like, I think we would do good at uh, doing a panel together. So that that's my dream, uh, whether it's at Fan Expo or the Texas Frightmare or wherever, I would love to do that sort of thing because I think we would do a pretty good job. I think so too. I think that would be fun. Uh, as as our interviews together have gone, they've they've gone swimmingly and are super great to listen to again. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's uh. That's that's Fan Expo here on my bloody podcast. Well, we haven't really talked a lot about horror yet, right? No. We've no, talked also... baseball. We've talked comics and Peter Weller. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like it. We got to get. We got to get to some. We got to get some horror on this horror podcast, right? Yes, yes. All right. Pope, so we Pope's usually insidious dick. Yeah, yes, the Pope's insidious dick. Oh god damn, that should be the sequel. Uh yeah, speaking of a multiverse, let's do the Pope's insidious dick. It'd be so good. Uh so yeah, instead of like our usual one movie an episode, um we we wanted to do something we're both covering. Um and that is the Pope's Exorcist, which has just released on Blu-ray and the new Insidious 4K steelbook that is um, physical media right now. Mm. Uh, two movies that one that you've probably seen and the other one you probably missed this yeah. re recently. But we're here to tell you about both of them. So let's let's do Insidious first, because that came out a while ago. We both seen yeah. Insidious. We both. I think I've seen the uh, four or five sequels that is in that James Wan universe. Mm -hmm. um, has, has there been a multiverse in the James Wan universe? Like has the conjuring and Annabelle, like I know like in conjuring, you can see like the Annabelle doll, but I wonder if like the same characters and all the same, all that same stuff kind of happens all in one movie. I don't think yet, but they're all part of the same thing. Yeah, they are. I mean, there's, there's teases for that with like conjuring three, I think, and Annabelle three, like they, cause it has like Patrick Wilson and very Farmiga's characters in it. Um, so that, that universe is definitely shared. There's, with like the nun and was La Llorona part of it? I don't know. I think they were because it's the same director. Same director did La Llorona did uh, Conjuring 3. Right. That's true. Um, but so, yeah, I think there, there's definitely a universe being built there for sure. But it has not crossed paths with Insidious, I don't think. There may have been like some subtle nods in the back with like if you're really looking through uh the, the family's collection of all the cursed items and everything. You may see something like the Darth Maul thing that's in Insidious. Yes, yes. Dark, yeah, the, Darth Maul the, demon. Yeah, which is funny. So Insidious, 
again, you know, you have the makers of Paranormal Activity and, of course, Lee Winnell and James Wan from Saw. And they kind of went from their from their original Saw movie, which was, well, I mean, it's horror, but it's also kind of like that you're the torturous gore type of thing almost into kind of like a psychological horror and demon yeah. type of thing, which I really liked. But Insidious, man, I mean, we've seen it a lot and now it's on 4K Steelbook. Is it is this the best? It's looked yet. Is it the best sounding one? What, what what's going on? Yes, to both of those things, especially the way that it looks, because the the look of Insidious was already intriguing to me, because I remember seeing it in theaters when it came out in two thousand ten, and being really sucked into the way that they they colorized it, because it's like this kind of uh, almost like the saturations turned down, and like there's certain colors like red that are they're boosted, um, and and so in here, when I'm watching the 4K, I was most amazed with like the blacks in it because the movie is very dark. It's about the things that are lurking in the shadows. It's about the further, which is like this uh, demonic realm um, that uh, is a big part of the story. And there's just like this smoky, dark look to everything. And there's no grain to that whatsoever. And I was like, how did they, how did they film that to make it look so good? Like, um, so that, that holds up really well. And especially the sounds like uh, that, that's, that's a staple of the the horror genre. And I think James Wan is very good at that type of thing, especially when he's doing like these really good jump scares and the insidious score is crazy good with like the violin playing at the very top and like the, like with the tiny Tim kind of sound that they do. Um, so yes, it sounds and looks incredible. Um, but watching it today, it's still, I think it's a legit scary movie. It's one of those few films that deals with demons or ghosts, or, uh, certain entities, other world entities that, effectively brings me to what it's and i've brought it up on this podcast before of having sleep paralysis like it just captures that feeling of being in a dream and knowing that you are dreaming and you need to wake up and you just see things that are coming and it it, it evokes that same feeling that i have when you see something walk by like the probably one of my favorite scare sequences in this movie is when rose burn uh like a lot of these types of movies uh, you know, deal with like one person is experiencing everything on full blast. And then there's one person that's like, has a sense to it, but not quite believes it yet. And so it's like causing some friction between the family, um, primarily uh, Patrick Wilson's character who plays the husband and uh, Rose Byrne plays the wife and they have a, a, a child who is uh, in a coma because they think it's just like some crazy accident that happened, but in reality, it's like he, he's astro projecting like his body, like his soul and everything is in this dark realm and he's trapped and it's kind of like poltergeist where they need help getting to the other side to be able to retrieve their son and bring his uh, the, the life, the energy that's within him back to his body in hopes that no other demons and other 
fleeting spirits find their way into his body because like some weird happenings are happening during the night when he's in a coma he may be walking around so like all that stuff is happening but the, the greatest jump scare is when rose Byrne is laying in her bed and then you just see some something pacing back and forth outside of her window and then it's she's like freaking out she's like oh my god and then all of a sudden it's pacing inside the room. Like it's outside the window and then it comes in the front window like that. That is like the heebie jeebies on, on uh, like at 100%. Like it's just one of those feelings where you're just like, it's like the falling into the sunken place and get out. You're just like, Oh, um, so this movie has so many moments like that. And that's why I think it's legit scary. I think, Now that it's been 13 years later and we're about to have a new insidious movie directed by Patrick Wilson. Which And is awesome. I think, yeah. So they have like, I think Rose Burns returning the kid who's now in a full adult now, Ty Simpkins recently in the whale. Um, he's, he's going to be back. So um, watching this 13 years later, it's like uh, some parts of it, feels like you're watching a movie from the mid 2000s where and it, it wasn't that far off it's like five years later um it has that editing style that's kind of like that i understand it like especially when they get to the further in the very end there's a lot of crossfades to kind of evoke this dreamy like feel but Uh, there, there's a moment when they're in the in the middle of the movie when um uh, what's her name uh uh lynn shay who's like
that was a pain. Um, the 4K itself with its design, like I love this like new thing that horror movies have been doing lately on Steelbook where they look like they run with like the original design, like the original poster art. Yeah. And, some, and sometimes they don't put any text on it whatsoever. And I think that's Yeah, I like awesome. it. It's just, it's just the picture of the boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah Once you it. remove the little J card thing and take it off that has the title on it, it's it's just the poster. It's got a nice glossy look to it. And then on the back is the red door from the further. Yeah. And then on the inside is the the drawing that the, the kids make. It says, last night, I watched myself sleep. And then I flew away. And like it's like a kid drawing in there. So I think that's all cool and, and well done uh, for that. So I think it's worth getting. Um, I think this franchise is a lot of fun. I think it's the most consistent of a horror franchise of recent years um, where each one, I like it. Uh, no, the I second, like it yeah. second one's kind of silly, but it's still fun. It's like watching Fat, Fast and Furious 7 because that's like tonally like very meta and goofy and watching Patrick Wilson uh, shout the most ridiculous things because he's possessed at that point is is a lot of fun. The three is really good and four like it's there's good stuff. I, I so I'm very excited about this new one. I hope it doesn't shit the bed. I, I I hope it doesn't either. And I'm glad. Yeah, stuff like this, like if we get a Conjuring, if we get kind of like this Wan universe in these kind of cool steel books, that would be really cool. So I guess they're gonna see how well this one does. Yeah, we need we need a we need a crossover now of all of these with uh, Malignant because or we just need a Malignant sequel because uh, I love that movie. Yeah, that movie's so good. Oh my goodness! And it, you know what? With Malignant, if they did a sequel, I think people was they're gonna they're gonna want a a twist like that again like where do we go because like that's what we're expecting because that was so crazy so the orphan did yeah. that successfully the, the, yes it me. did it sure did yes it did yeah because the original i mean we know the story and i know brian's going to probably bring up this awesome documentary i almost watched it the other day anyway um so orphan that came out in 2009 but the the, the girl who is adopted by a family, but it's not really a girl. It's like a 30, 40 year old person and who looks like a girl puts on makeup and it's like scary. That's the twist. So sorry if you haven't seen it. Oops. <laughs> um, uh, but I won't spoil what happens in the prequel film. Um, the events that it's called orphan first kill. And there's a twist in that that I just like that whole movie is so fun. Like there's a tone to it. That's more like insidious too, um, where it's a little goofier, but they just, all the actors like fully commit. And there's a twist in that, that I just, Oh, it was delicious. I loved it. And so uh, it can happen. It can happen. They yeah. Can it's crazy. They can do it. But I, I for malignant too, I would want, more strange things to happen i don't want it to just be you know more the same i want some things that we haven't seen like like them fighting in a prison cell like that's so awesome and we need something not like him fighting uh other things but just something quite out of the way out of like left field to happen like that it would be great insidious 4k from Sony.
Um, yeah, Dolby Atmos, Dolby Vision, do it. It looks clean, it looks good, and it's fun to see on 4K. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, are we gonna are we are we gonna move to the Pope's Exorcist right now? Yeah, pepper me with that that Russell Crowe ness in the. I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. The, the Russell Crowe-ness. Yeah. yeah. So the Pope's Exorcist is based on a real guy, a real, real dude um, who is named Father Gabriel uh, Amorth, who was, you know, a priest and an exorcist. And it's based on the 1990 book and Exorcist tells his story. Um, and so this movie came out in April of this year. And if it gives you anything, uh, it was very heavily marketed uh, on pro wrestling and WWE, like for WrestleMania in March, they did a whole Pope's exorcist thing with it, with, with WrestleMania, like they did a whole thing with it. So the Pope's exorcist, if you, it is about an exorcism. It is about a priest, um, much like the exorcist in the seventies, going to a young child to excise a demon that is possessing a child. Um, this movie is directed by Julius Avery, who directed Overlord, the zombie yeah. movie that we both were at the world premiere for at Fantastic Fest a few years ago. And it was written by Michael Petroni, who uh, has done a few of the possession movies like uh, the Right and Possession, Queen of the Damned. But it was also written by a guy named um, Evan Spilatopoulos, who's basically been doing Disney things for a while. Uh, it, like like Jungle Book 2 and Pooh's Hufflepuff movie and Lion King 1 and a half. And <laughs> oh. We all got two sides of ourselves, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. So, but he's he's done a couple of horror things. So they came together and they wanted to tell this story and they got Russell Crowe, which is crazy. Um the movie was made for 18 million dollars and it ended up making close to 75 million dollars. So it definitely did pretty well, but I'm going to tell you that the Pope's Exorcist that you would think this movie would go straight to video and nobody would really like it. But that's really not the case here, because I guess over the last several years, the possession movies, the exorcism movies, we kind of see a pattern. And while they might be good or some might be bad, they kind of follow a formula wherein there's either a lot of jump scares or... It's about you see somebody who's not a big actor, but an actor, but they're also a contortionist and they can contort their body into being possessed. So they're bending really weird ways. And that's kind of what those movies kind of strive for, for horror. Pope's Exorcist, a little different. It takes its cues from the original Exorcist, where it was more psychological horror and more about this exorcist who was the Pope's Exorcist. He worked for the Pope. Um, who's being told to go to these places to um, excise things. And that's kind of how the movie starts. He's somebody's being possessed and he's instead of, you know, trying to yell things out and contort bodies, he's like, all right. So Russell Crowe's like, well, okay, if you're really possessed, I'd even get out of this person and go into this pig right here. You know, like they're trying to one up each other and trying to psychologically, uh, outwit each other so i thought that was really cool and the horror part really comes in 
when you see the possession and they're really trying to go after each other's like painful secrets, just like in the original exorcist, when um, Linda Blair, like when she's possessed by the demon is trying to call out the father's, like his mother dying mm-hmm. and it sends him into a frenzy. And so there's a lot of that going on and it, it's really tense and suspenseful, but there's also the horror element of uh, the kid being uh in full makeup and having that, those demonic um, apparitions, but Russell Crowe is so good in this. Like mm-hmm. it proves still why he's so great. Uh, Cause like sometimes you can see like, Oh, maybe he phoned this one in or he was just doing this to have fun. But here he's, they took it seriously. They really wanted to make it very real life exorcism and pay tribute in a classy way to the real person and not go overboard with theatrics and stuff like that. So it's much more grounded. And I think that's more effective in this setting. Um, You know, Russell Crowe has been uh, criticized for his Italian accent here, but it's fine. It's fine. You know, you you think of Russell Crowe and you think Australia, he's an Australian dude doing an Italian, you know, whatever. But there's a reason like this movie you would think on Rotten Tomatoes would be like 17%. I mean, it's 50%. I mean, that's a rotten score, but that's better than what anybody would think this movie would be. And Mm. this is a good, this is a solid, good horror film that uh, showcases not only Russell Crowe's um, greatness as an actor, but it's also rated R. So there's some thematic moments that are scary, but Hey, if you're not looking for the usual possession stuff where people are contorting, there's theatric, you know, like Conjuring 3 or something like that, this is the movie. Like, it brings it back to that exorcist stuff. And, I mean, while Overlord is fun, I think this is um, uh, Julius movie. Avery's better movie. Mm. What, what are, are you excited to see this? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you, you're telling me about it beforehand, and I had interest from the beginning to to see it, but <clears throat> I was just so confused by, like, how... I was like, this is a Russell Crowe movie, and it was coming out in April, and I feel like there was, like, hardly any marketing for it. It just kind of appeared in theaters, and then it vanished, and nobody was really talking about it. And I was like, it, but it, the, the trailer made it look pretty good, like, as it caused my wife to be, like yeah i i don't want to see that and not for the reasons that you think it's just because she's thought like some of those possession scenes with that little kid it's like it's hard to experience now that you're a mother a mother now or a parent and so um but i was interested i was like oh man you got frank franco nero as the pope yeah i think uh daniel uh zavato is in it as yep. probably like one of his assistants and then it has uh oh, what's her name from uh the haunting of hill house like alex uh Alex uh, Esso, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, that's a good lineup. And then I like I like James Avery. Um or Julius Avery, not James Avery. He has made jewelry. Yeah, um, James Avery. Yeah, not the jewel, not the Christian. Well, I mean, they're kind of one of the same thing. It's both religious movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we reached out to James Avery to make all our our uh, crosses and everything. Um so, yeah, I like Julius Avery. Uh I thought Overlord was a lot of fun. Um and so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Is there anything that kind of sticks out to you that wasn't quite uh, as good as you were hoping? Uh, or is it just because, like, 
you, you go into it knowing certain beats and that the familiarity of it maybe is like the downfall to it a bit because you you know how this sort of thing goes is it is there anything surprising about the ending or does it no just kind i don't of... think there's anything surprising about the ending it does i mean i was happy to see that it kind of left it open for sequels and they are yeah. planning a sequel because you know kind of at the end there's kind of like an avengers type of ends not end scene but like a scene where it's like oh there's like 199 more cases mm -hmm. that i have to go and fucking do you know like let's yeah. let's go no let's let's get a team together type of thing and let's go after it so i like that i think surprising me was that i went into it thinking like oh this is going to be like the same thing as like the last exorcism and every other possession movie where it's going to be like scary movie and then like we're gonna have dark halls and we're gonna see a contortionist and you know whatever no what surprised me about it was like it kept it grounded it in the pope's exorcist this guy he's like russell crowe's driving a scooter he doesn't take any shit you know like i love that you know he's kind of almost you know i mean he's riding a scooter he, i mean but you, you i mean the picture is like he's riding a harley davidson and he's like clearly he believes in like there's gods and demons but he doesn't take any shit and i feel like that's the real russell crow you know <laughs> like yeah. he's but i guess that's like the real guy and um watching the bonus features on here there's only a couple but they're actually really good um one is about the the thought like the real guy and everybody talking about what he did and all that good stuff and uh and how much research they did and how they wanted to get stuff so correct that they went to great lengths to like really tell the story truly and not go into the big theatrics to have action beats and mm. make it over the top. So I really like that. So that was what surprising was. And that's why I think I really enjoyed it because it was something new. It brought it back to the exorcist where there's not like action beats in, in the exorcist. Like it's like a good 30 minutes into the movie where anything actiony or horror happens. And that's what I like about it. You get to know these characters and you get to see like in this movie, the Pope's exorcist, the child uh, throughout the main movie, you see it's a sweet child, but then as the demon and Russell Crowe are battling it out, like with their wits and trying to get under each other's skin secrets come out about the church and secrets come out about Russell Crowe and then the boy's family and all of the stuff that's happening. And it's, it's, it's really cool to see uh, that kind of thing. And Hey, for what it is, this little small horror film, it does a good job and it's just like feels fresh to me. And I really liked it. So, and it was a little different beat than, you know, just seeing somebody walk into a room and somebody bent over like in half, you know, just like screaming, you know? And yeah. so like, I, I was happy about that with the Pope's exorcist and it's rated R. So like insidious is rated PG 13. Mm -hmm. This is rated R. So it goes for it. Um, and unfortunately screen gems only release it on Blu-ray. There's no 4k mm. yet. So mm. I'm wondering at some point there's going to be a 4k steel book. And I imagine like, maybe film companies are doing that now where some are like, okay, I mean, it costs more to make 4k, but maybe we can work with different retailers and get more money. Like screen gems is going to release the Blu-ray version, but in a few months, maybe 
somebody will release a 4K steelbook and hopefully with another extra because there's only two bonus features on here. They're okay. They're a little better than average. Um, but I would like more. And it says the Exorcist meets the Da Vinci Code. I can see that um, because, you know, they're going through all the, the Pope stuff. And, it, you know, it's like the 80s at some point in the time. So it's kind of almost modern day. It's not take place in the old time. But they're trying to figure out all these secrets that are coming out through the demon and uh, this Exorcist. So uh, no Tom Hanks in here. Uh, Russell Crowe mm-hmm. does a good job. And... You're just thinking the whole time. You're just like Russell Crowe, man. Let's we're coming back, bud. Like let's let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I just want to see him go up against the the demon and be like, "I'm Maximus Deus Meridius." Yeah, as he's walking with his hands on the weed weeds and shit. Uh, I yeah. I would like that. And you and you you think like, okay, Russell Crowe, like you have two Oscars, you know, you have millions of dollars, and you know, at some point, you're thinking. Uh, and we, we brought up about this in our fear and loathing, like why, why certain people haven't acted in a while, why, why this and why that? And it's like, well, obviously Russell Crowe still loves creating art and he's, you know, and then we see it a lot of times people have different stages of their career and you have your Oscar winning movies. And now like he's doing like action or thrillers or horror movies, which is really cool because we've been there, done that. I mean, of course you have Leo DiCaprio's who haven't gotten out of that stage of doing like playing real people and Oscar winning performances. Yeah. Stuff like that. You're just doing that. I mean, even though Russell Crowe plays a real person here, I don't see Leo DiCaprio really doing anything with any other director besides Quentin Tarantino, Scorsese, or, you know, a big name, you know, like I, how does that happen? Because I feel like Leo DiCaprio can get any script and he can say yes and they'll have them. But I think he's in the mindset now because I'm very much waiting to the day where he's going to do crazy shit, you know, because he can do it. But we get it little by little with Leo. Like we got Shutter Island, which is kind of horror. We got a batshit comedy with Wolf of Wall Street with Leo, you know. But we're not. But those but are was, on that was, that was Scorsese. Yeah, those him. are Scorsese movies. Yeah, so yeah. we're not. We're, he's not in the Pope's Exorcist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I really like it. It's on Blu-ray. Do I recommend buying the Blu-ray? I'm always a proponent of physical media. I mean, Blu-ray looks good. You get the digital copy. There's a, a couple extras, but I would say like with this movie, you know, get, you know, see if it's on sale on Vudu or iTunes or something and give it a rent. And if you like it, buy it, uh, something like that. I mean, I definitely recommend this movie, but it's always hard for me to recommend something like this and like, okay, this would be 25 bucks or 20 bucks, you know, something to some people. And I don't know. I, I if it was 4K and it had a lot of bonus features with it, it absolutely be highly recommended. But just the Blu-ray and digital, I think you can do the same thing. And the the two bonus features aren't a huge get, but they're, they're worth watching. So yeah, <clears throat> not too bad. Cool. I wish it went by its Spanish name, which is uh, El Exorcista del Papa. Papa. <laughs> oh my god now i want to go watch this with the spanish subtitles on it or even like uh 
the if they have the, the Spanish audio, that would be great. So the, the, the papa, the papi. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. And so like the, the, you know, it's actually not bad artwork because it like it features like Russell Crowe with like walking into oh, yeah. a building with like demons and skeletons. So it's not like the worst thing I've seen. Yeah, it looks like the church. Yeah, yeah. The, that, the movie The Church. Yeah. yeah. That's that's what it is. So it's not it's not bad. Um, but yeah, this movie was good. And I as somebody who watches pro wrestling a lot, um, I was shocked that this was like the big sponsor of WrestleMania. I was just like, I was real happy about it. <laughs> well, there you go. So uh I like that. And then of course, um I do believe we just have to mention real quick, Scream Factory finally did a collector's yeah. edition 4K creep show, the original creep show. Um I believe we have like a like a big bastard edition of that. So I'm curious if this is going to be even better. Like it'll have the 4K, but will this kind of be like, do I just put my 4K disc in inside that, that big yeah. set or what? What, what do I do? Pro- probably because of the artwork. Uh, I, I will say with a lot of the Scream Factory things. That, so just earlier, I may contradict myself a little bit. because I was just talking about the steel book going well going with the original artwork and i think that's cool so a lot of their 4k releases that stream factory's been doing they've just been doing just the original artwork on it and i love that newly commissioned artwork especially with the creep show big pack that you were just talking about right that 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 set is awesome and i kind of wish they would just go out just a little bit more with these um Right. And I like it that Scream Factory, usually when they do their collector's edition, they have the newly commissioned artwork, but on the the flap, the paper art itself, it's reversible. So you get the original theatrical and then the new artwork, but on these 4Ks, there usually isn't. It's just the the main one. So... Oh, so it, it does have it does have the uh, the comic book one on it. Yeah, I, I, I'd flip that around definitely for this one. Uh, but yeah, nothing compared to how exciting it is. It's just like from a business perspective, I understand why they do it because it it is another way to make just a little bit more money off of a title that they own. And they most likely already did that 4k scan of it from previously, but it does say that they did a new uh, 4k scan of the original camera negative for this. And so the picture looked better, but maybe, yeah, if you have that, that original blu-ray collection maybe just put that disc in there but it seems like it has all like when you look at that back and you look at all the extras with its uh, disc one and disc two like there's a lot of stuff on there and that's that same stuff is on that that big collection pack so even though it may look like kind of vestron-ish with right bare bones uh aesthetics from a packaging standpoint it still has a lot of the goods and so uh, I don't know if a lot of collectors that co- do Scream Factory do that sort of thing where they'll just maybe just hang on the disc and put the this new artwork in a box somewhere. Um, but that would probably be my approach. Right, right. Uh, yeah. And I'm curious as what Scream Factory has coming out for the rest of the year or even next year, because like a couple years ago, we got the Friday the 13th big set. We've been getting Halloween set. So when is nightmare on elm street going to come out like when are we going to get a big bastard edition of nightmare on elm street because there's not one there's a dvd set which was awesome back in the late 90s and then 
we got a Blu-ray set, which was not even like it had the movies on there and some extras, but it was like, it almost just looked like a one Blu-ray set with like the little flip booklet discs. And it wasn't like a big collection. So I wonder if it's like the new line and the other movies trying to come in. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I know they, they have, um, Cause they did Chucky mm-hmm. child's play one through three mm-hmm. last year and they got Chucky four through seven uh, coming out uh, in August, I think. Right. And so you got bride of Chucky, cult of Chucky, seed of Chucky, um, curse of Chucky all together. Um, so maybe they just need to finish that out. Um, Before that, they that, do that. That's, yeah. that's a, that's a big task. Maybe next year or something like that. When's, What's the anniversary? Did that come out in 84? 84. So yeah, maybe they'll do something for the 40th. Yeah, that would be super cool. That would be awesome. I hope so. Because Nightmare on Elm Street is just, it begs to have more bonus features and extras and stuff like that and have it all come back today and really do it up, you know? And I hope they do a big bastard edition of it. Like I really hope. Yeah. And I hope they don't do a Blu-ray set and then later they come and do 4Ks in like sections because mm-hmm. I just I want to pay the money and get the big 4K set, you know? Yeah. You know, cuz like that's I mean, I'm glad I got the blue my Blu-ray set of Friday the 13th. They haven't done the 4K stuff yet for it, thank God, but they've been doing it with Halloween and I, like I like it. But now I just, I mean, how many times have we owned Halloween? Like, yeah, we get 15 times. We, yeah, <laughs> we got a lot of those for sure. But they are still doing stuff like they have a, a Nightbreed collection. Another one coming out. Yeah, another yeah. one coming out. Yeah. But it's a it's a bigger, it's more exciting collection pack on that one. Um, but yeah, if you have something like this, Creep Show, they have like, uh, dog soldiers and species yep. and the craft and candy man that are kind of in the same and people under the stairs they did a 4k of that too recently yeah so yeah. they're not not bad there but yeah that's uh does that round out our my bloody podcast yeah was that like two hours almost two hours bud <laughs> there's a lot to talk about there was a lot to talk about. Well, we did, you know, kind of two and a half movies. We did we did the fan expo. We had, yeah. we had to go do it. Um, but yeah, my bloody podcast. Take us out, bud. You were doing so well, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, Let's take us out. Oh, uh, uh, yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for listening to my bloody podcast. I am Creston Bardo with the Denton Record Chronicle and FreshFiction.tv. You can find my stuff on the Denton Record Chronicle, which is DentonRC.com and FreshFiction, FreshFiction.tv. Got new interviews and reviews up. Flash is the big movie this weekend. And so you can I think you I think Brian even has a review up for that, right, Brian? Not not yet. I'm gonna it's it'll you gotta be get to it, tonight man. or tomorrow. Yeah. He's gotta write it. He should have been writing it as we were doing this. Um <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so I uh, I got some coverage up for that. I got a review and I got an interview up for, for that. And uh yeah, you can check out Brian Uger on line. Oh, maybe I should I gotta mention my social. So at Blu-ray Dad on Instagram and Preston Barta on Twitter. And then you got Brian Kluger at High Def Digest, Boomstick Comics, uh, his uh, very active account on YouPorn. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Do, doing reviews in the nude. Uh, right. 
unpackaging new products and myself. <laughs> yeah. That Pope stick. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, he's on uh, Instagram, Brian Kluger, right? It's just Brian Kluger. Yeah, right? just Brian Kluger for everything. Yeah. 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 There you go for, for Instagram and Twitter. Um, so find him, ask him questions, ask him really weird questions. He likes that stuff. And uh, yeah, we're my bloody podcast. Thank you. Yeah.